Mike, something feels different today. Yeah, it kind of feels like we're being watched. Oh, hey there, Chicago. Well, there you go. That explains it. We are live in Chicago right now, so we have a Chicago edition of Ungenius. We did. We put a call out for Chicago themes uh, and topics and Wikipedia pages, and the audience delivered. I don't even know how many tweets and emails came in. I get more emails about this show than anything in my life. <laughs> and uh, so if you suggested a Chicago topic, thank you. Yeah, and there were a bunch of great ones, but unless we were going to do a two-hour episode, we can't cover them all. I mean, we could have talked about the bean. We went to the bean today. We did. Um, or we could talk about the raising of Chicago in the 1850s and 60s. Or the time Dr. Drang made the river flow backwards. The river does flow <laughs> backwards here. It's really weird. Or the many variations of hot dogs, uh, what is referred to as pizza, uh, popcorn, uh, that all seem to earn the name Chicago style. That adjective is thrown around loosely. Everything Chicago style in Chicago. But to be honest with you, none of that felt right. When I saw the Wikipedia entry for the SS Eastland sent in by Wit, I knew that we had to pick it. And this one falls right within our disaster wheelhouse that we have on Ingenious. The darker the better. The SS Eastland was a passenger ship based in Chicago and used for river tours and lake tours. It was commissioned in 1902 by the Michigan Steamship Company and was built in Michigan by the Jinx Shipbuilding Company. Its first voyage was just a year later in 1903. And right away there were problems. The Eastland was discovered to have some design flaws, making it susceptible to leaning to one side, which is great for a ship. It was <laughs> uh, top-heavy, which became evident when passengers, when they would congregate en masse on the upper decks, probably for parties of some description, it would seem, oh, it was top-heavy. And in July 1903, a case of overcrowding caused the Eastland to lean to one side, with water flowing up and onto the ship's gangplanks. It's a good start. It's a great start. <laughs> the early problems didn't stop there. Later the same month, the stern of the ship was damaged when it backed into the tugboat George W. Gardner. <laughs> Thanks, a George. Name. It's a lovely name. I don't know nothing about George. I didn't is that follow how that tugboats link. Are named? Are they like, oh, this is Philip Morris, the tugboat. Uh, then on August the 14th of 1903, still the same year, while on a cruise from Chicago to South Haven, Michigan, six of the ship's firemen refused to stoke the fire for the ship's boiler. They claimed they had not received their potatoes with their meal. So obviously, they were very upset. That'd make me cranky. It, definitely. Uh, when they refused to return to the fire hole, <laughs> uh, Captain John Peru ordered them six men to be arrested at gunpoint. Fireman George Lippen and Benjamin Myers, who were not a part of the group of six non-potato-receiving firemen, stoked the fires until the ship reached its harbor. Upon landing, the six of the potato firemen were taken to the town jail and charged with mutiny. Shortly thereafter, Captain Perot was replaced. Oh my. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, not, not good. A couple of years later, August 1906, another incident of leaning occurred, which resulted in the filing of complaints against the owner of the ship, the Chicago South Haven Line. So we have the world's most tame mutiny. Potato mutiny. Potato mutiny. And some leaning. So far, not too bad, but in 1915, the story turns tragic. So let's kick this one up a notch. On July the 24th of that year, uh, Eastland and four other Great Lakes passenger steamships were chartered to take employees from Western Electric Company's Hawthorne Works in Cicero, Illinois, to a picnic in Michigan City, Indiana. 
Who doesn't love a good company party? Ships for a picnic. Is there nowhere they could have gone for the picnic? Like, why did... Our holiday party sucked compared to this. (laughs) Charter seven boats. Let's go for a picnic. (laughs) By a little after 7 a.m. that morning, the Eastland was at capacity with 2,572 passengers aboard. The ship was packed with many passengers standing on the open upper decks. Now, we know that's a problem. Uh, So, therefore, the ship began leaning slightly to the port side away from the wharf. The crew attempted to stabilize the ship by admitting water to its ballast tanks, but to no avail. At 7.28 a.m., Eastland lurched sharply to port after passengers rushed to that side for some unknown reason. (laughs) The ship then rolled completely onto its port side, coming to rest on the river bottom, which was only 20 feet below the surface. Many other passengers had already moved below decks on this relatively cool and damp morning to warm before the departure. Consequently, hundreds of people were trapped inside by the water and the sudden rollover. Some were crushed by heavy furniture, including pianos, bookcases, and tables. Although the ship was only 20 feet below the water and 20 feet from the wharf, and in spite of quick response by the crew of a nearby vessel, again, they were basically still on land, uh, so the ship, the Kenosha, came alongside the hull and allowed those stranded on the capsized vessel to leap to safety, but unfortunately, a total of 844 passengers and four crew members died in the disaster. That doesn't usually happen. It's not great. <laughs> no, I mean, like people saying, wow. Well, usually, <laughs> usually we're alone. I know. You can't make so much light of it anymore. I know. <clears throat> the bodies of the victims were taken to various temporary morgues established in the area for identification. By afternoon, the remaining unidentified bodies were consolidated in a nearby armory. The last known survivor of the capsizing died on November 24, 2014, at the age of 102. That's a good run. Yeah. Is, it, is there a thing about ships that sink that people live for a really long time, like in Titanic, right? That lady and, was really old. And there's, a, there's an episode of Seinfeld about that, too, I think. Yeah, it's funny. It's George funny. trying to get the apartment from the survivor. Yeah. What, what, I don't remember what that was called. Anyway. <clears throat> Cut that. <laughs> During 1915... The new Federal Seamen's Act had been passed because of the RMS Titanic disaster, which you just mentioned, happened three years previous. The law required retrofitting a complete set of lifeboats on the Eastland, as on many other passenger vessels. So because of this, the additional weight of these lifeboats may have made the Eastland more dangerous, as it potentially worsened the already severe problem of it being top-heavy. Thanks, Obama. That is... (laughs) That's not how this works. Maybe we should thank Jack for that instead. Titanic jokes. I'll never let go. (laughs) A grand jury indicted the president and three other officers of the steamship company for manslaughter and the ship's captain and engineer for criminal carelessness. I didn't know that was a thing, by the way, until this. Carelessness. Carelessness. And found that the disaster was caused by, quote, conditions of instability caused by any or all of overloading of passengers, mishandling of water ballast, and even the very construction of the ship. Well, we know that was wrong, right? Like, immediately there were problems. During the hearings, principal witness Sidney Jenks, president of the shipbuilding company that built the Eastland, testified that the ship's first owners wanted a fast ship to transport fruit, and he designed one capable of making 20 miles per hour and carrying 500 passengers. A marker... First of all, those numbers... We shouldn't buy it. It was down for 500 people. Yeah, 500 people going 20 miles an hour, and it had 2,500 people in it when it sunk. Seems bad. Yeah, it's not good. 
A marker commemorating the, the accident was dedicated on June 4th, 1989. I don't know what took so long. <laughs> it's like, don't worry about it's it. It's fine. Just, we'll get to it. Uh, this marker was reportedly stolen in April of 2000. <laughs> Why do people do that? Why do people do that? What are you doing it for? I, Truth of Dare just got out of control, <laughs> I, guess I guess. so. And a replacement marker was installed and rededicated in July of 2003. Again, what took so long? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Let's get to it. The bottom of the list. Plans exist for a permanent outdoor exhibit with the proposed name at the river's edge, which will probably be built in like 2105, I guess. Yeah. Just give it some time. The exhibit would be located along the portion of the Chicago Riverwalk adjacent to the waters where the Eastland disaster occurred. The exhibit design calls for six displays telling the story of the accident. The story is it fell over. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why you need six displays for that. Just show it in various states. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly the ship's purpose had changed after the original design and construction and the court's reason that the eastland was quote operated for years and carried thousands safely and that for this reason no one could say that the accused parties were unjustified in believing that the ship was seaworthy the accident was not the end of the ship though this is i couldn't believe this <laughs> This is, this is not amazing. Good. After the Eastland was raised in August of 1915, it was sold to the Illinois Naval Reserve and recommissioned as the USS Wilmette stationed at the Great Lakes Naval Base. You don't want to reuse the name. <laughs> no, you, or the boat, but they, apparently they did. <laughs> I was hoping for USS Potato, but it's yeah. his name. It was converted into a gunboat and commissioned on September 20th, 1918, but never saw combat in World War One. Thankfully. Yeah. It was mothballed in July of 1919, but they changed their mind and pressed it into service <laughs> again a year later. It was given a task of sinking UC-97, which was a German U-boat surrendered to the U.S. after World War One. For the next 25 years, countless naval personnel trained aboard the ship, and during August 1943, the Wilmette was given the honor of transporting President Franklin D. Roosevelt and guests on a 10-day cruise. Who? Who did that? <laughs> it's not Whose good. idea was that? Put, the president. Put him on the sinking it's ship. It's totally fine. fine. Yeah, lean over. We'll get him off in time. It's no problem. It's fine. Whose idea was that, though? Lots of questions. <laughs> the ship made its final for realsies end in 1947. <laughs> When it was sold for scrap after being decommissioned again, totally for real this time, by the Navy in 1945. There you go. It's sad. It is sad. It's weird, though. It is weird. It's, it's and kind of silly. So really. we walked along the river today. Yep. You know, I was thinking about it. There, we passed these poor people on a tour boat. It was like 15 degrees today. I'm from the south. This is this basically... I don't know how anyone listens. He here. has multiple levels of jacket. Jackets, him, yeah, like so little uh, things keep my hands warm. Mm -hmm. Mittens. <laughs> and I was thinking about all these people on this tour boat, and it just slowly falling over. No, he didn't. It didn't. It didn't. You no. phrased that wrong. <laughs> I did have the thought. I really hope nothing terrible happens on the river this week because we can't do this script. If yeah. That's true. Did you check that? I didn't see anything. Okay, well that's fine then. We don't want to know. No, we don't want to know. All right. So, so again, thank you to Wit for sending this in. Mm -hmm. If you want to find show notes, they'll be somewhere on the web. It's really just Google uh, relay.fm slash ungeniest. We don't know the episode number, they'll, though. but they'll be there. But you just say somewhere. That. It yeah. will be there. Or Google SS Eastland. Yep. Thank you, guys.